Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Mike Rianda, a writer and director who worked on the magnificent animated series Gravity Falls and made his feature debut this year with The Mitchells vs. the Machines, a thoroughly delightful vision of a dysfunctional family, voiced by Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, and Mike himself, who become humanity's last hope in a robot apocalypse. It's one of my favorite films of 2021, and it arrives on Blu-ray today in a special edition absolutely packed with special features, including featurettes, a commentary track, an alternate cut of the film, and, yes, the final chapter of the Dog Cop Saga. You need to own that. Mike pick We Are the Best, Swedish filmmaker Lucas Moodison's raucous 2013 story of two girls in Stockholm, 1982, who decide to launch a rebellious punk band despite a lack of anything worth rebelling about. But anger is an energy, as someone once said, and that's enough for them to get going, especially once they befriend a third girl who can actually play guitar. It's a deeply empathetic look at misfits giving each other the confidence to stand up and be weird together, and anyone who's ever felt the slightest bit powerless will connect with it on sight. This is someone else's movie. I love We Are the Best, and it is the movie that I love the most that I think it's the least... I love a lot of movies that everyone else loves, but um, but We Are the Best is a movie that I really, really love that not that many people I know know about. Um, and that director, Lucas Moodyson, is like one of my all-time favorites, and I love Together, and I love... Uh, I'll call it Show Me Love, even though the original title I think is cooler, but has a swear <laughs> in it. Yeah, um, you can swear uh, if you want to. There's actually a reference to uh, Show Me Love in the um, in, on Katie's laptop. There's like the same drawing that is on um, Emile's, I think, or is it a name or the main character's notebook? Um, Missed that. Um, it's you would you would have to have a microscope. I, I the the laptop is at such a weird angle that you can't really see all the you know. There's like a there's a there's a Mulholland Drive reference on it. There's like that box with the key and, you know, and we we never like made it clear to the studio that like this is a Mulholland Drive reference. We're just like, I don't know. It's a cool box. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, but but we are the best. I really love just because it's so well observed and lived in and just feels like real life in the best way that is also sort of like a really wonderful story. It, it, it is kind of like slice of lifey, but it really, um, it tells that story so well and so accurately. I feel like every moment of this, the movie like in my bones and it's sort of like what I was hoping to do with the Mitchells in terms of the human stuff. You know, I, I would always show people this movie and I'm like, it'll be like a, because this isn't quite a Dogma 95 movie, but it does have a documentary like shooting style. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it'll be like a Dogma 95 movie, but for kids. And everyone's like, don't, <laughs> don't tell people that. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, you know, like the celebration, come on. Um, uh, but um, but but the, and 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 the, the, the shooting style just like adds to the reality of it to me. And, and, and it just, the script is like incredible. And the actors are incredible. And, and, you know, just there's these moments where it's like in the opening, there, it's just this loving mom having a party with her daughter. And then she's like, oh, look at your hair, you know? And then the cut to the daughter, like on the bed, like, I hate my mom. She's the worst. <laughs> and it's like, your mom is fine. You're just 14. Um, and it just captures that age really well. Um, and those like emotions really well in a way that like I connected to and think about all the time. Yeah. I mean, I saw it 
at TIFF. So it would have been mm-hmm. 2013. And I'm there as a, I'll do the math, a 45-year-old man. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, I get this. I absolutely get this. It's all- I get these 14-year-old Swedish teenagers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, I was that age in 1982. So yeah. even though even though the culture is completely alien to me and, and their influences are different, I like I remember that world and how yeah there was nothing else there was nothing to do but be mad at your parents because <laughs> I know you had no life there was nothing going on well and I also love and it's something we tried to do in our movie and you know some some with some characters we got more successful than others but I love how in the movie every character is a person you know like some a movie like Lady Bird does this really well where mm-hmm. it's like you know, you have this incidental character of like the priest who is like sobbing and then you sort of catch up with his story and stuff. But, but we're the best does that too, where it's like, even the bullies like have like interiority and there's like complexity to their relationships where, you know, sometimes you see movies and a bully's like, shut up, you idiot. I hate you. And the bullies in this movie are like, they're like, what do you put in your hair? Is that egg? You'd be prettier if you had longer (laughs) hair. And then the girl's like, I want to talk about coal and oil and what the government is doing. And then they keep asking her about her hair. And it's like, they're not evil. They're just sort of confused by her. And that confusion can feel when you're 14, like as, as much of a, you know, attack as anything. And also the, the, my favorite scene in it is, is just like something I really deeply connect to, which is like at the end of the movie, Bobo, the main girl, goes with her friends and they're all hanging out with boys and the other girls are all making out with boys on a rooftop. And you just sit with her on the rooftop staring and not knowing what to do with her hands. And she's like, so confused and like hurt because her friends are betraying her, but they're not really betraying her. They're just sort of experiencing life and ah, she feels really uncomfortable. And it's like, those sort of, that's like an emotion that I've had so strongly in my life that I've never seen on a screen, you know, and it was like, so it was so exciting to see. And uh, actually Lucas Moodyson is well, maybe he was, I don't know, but he was, um, he was really active on Tumblr for a while. Like I forget I who he loved. He loves some weird um, pop artist. It wasn't Robin, but it was someone like, it was like maybe Kylie Minogue. Like he loves Kylie Minogue or some, someone like that. You could look it up. But I, 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 uh, I instant messaged him. And I was like, oh, my God, I love, you know, because to me, he's like, you know, Scorsese and Hal Ashby and Lucas Moodyson. And his response was so and I was just like, oh, my God, your movies mean so much to me and blah, blah, blah. And his response was like it was shocking to me because I felt like if you make good movies, you must just walk around all day and be like, I've done it. I'm <laughs> I have no more problems in my life. And he was like, oh my God, this meant so much to me. I was feeling so worthless today. And, oh. and I just, you know, I, I I feel like these movies aren't very, he didn't say that, but he was just like, he was just like, I just don't feel like I'm living up to anything. So thank you for saying that. And I was like, Lucas, I wanted to hug him. I was like, Lucas Moodyson, you, you, you deserve the world. Give this man a crown. Um, but but I guess it is true that if you make uh, good movies, it doesn't mean the problems of your life are fixed, <laughs> <laughs> which I've also learned. I was just thinking that line in All That Jazz, like, I wonder if Kubrick ever gets depressed. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm sure he did. He seemed like a moody fella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, I had not realized until 
until the movie, until you picked this. And I, I looked up Moodison. He hasn't made a film since. I know. I know. It's it's he made a um, a TV series. Right? He made a TV series that was really wonderful. And it was also right up my alley because I sort of I had to get it online illegally. It's called Gosta. I think it's mm. on HBO Max now. Oh, okay. um, but it's 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 really wonderful. I mean, it's a it's about <laughs> it's sort of like um, it's almost like a Dostoevsky's The Idiot or something, because it's about a just really well-meaning man and how that sort of dark world around him is like crushing to him and how also his well-meaningness is kind of like a, he's like so intentional. He's like almost intentionally naive. He's like, Oh, I'm trying to do good in this world. And it's like, just shows how that can kind of grind you down. Um, But also in a way that's like real and hopeful. And you do see the things that he does that are, that are beneficial to the world and stuff like that. Like he is helping people, but it's just, hard <laughs> there's no easy answers that does sound like something he would do yes um, exactly. especially given his like his track record of, of films which are so i mean his early stuff was you know it swung between i'll say it if you're if you're unwilling like fucking them all <laughs> um yeah is so alive and angry and funny and aware of mm-hmm. itself and then together is this strange uncomfortable story of communal life in Stockholm and how it is impossible to make everyone happy all the time it's like yeah. in a weird way it's that was the first thing that popped into my mind when you're talking about his his show mm-hmm. and then he made these angrier furious films uh, Lilia Forever and and yeah. A Hole in My Heart and then there's Mammoth which is this the, the English language film the sad yeah. I mean you know this I'm just doing this for the benefit of the listeners no no no, no totally um, the, this this crushing drama with great performances but clearly he didn't enjoy working in english and went back to went home and then we are the best has all this energy and all this this compassion and joy and it feels like maybe that's the reason he never made another he hasn't made another movie it feels like a summation right it's everything he does well and it and it it feels really joyful and i do i do think my favorite of his movies are the joyful ones no no surprise um all i want to do is like you know this movie i was like it'll be a joy factory um the movie (laughs) that i made um but um because i do sort of uh but but like like lilia forever is incredibly compelling but I, i it's it so makes sense to me how i don't know i'm shocked that any director could ever make a movie in a different language than their own native language because it's mm. like even with the translations for our movie i used to think that the director would watch all of them and like mm, yes of course but i was like you are like i i was like a a wet rag at the end of the movie i was like do what you want with the spanish language thing i can't i can't make any more decisions <laughs> um and and it's so funny because it's like it really, it's like an advertisement for watching things in their native language because there's so much nuance in language where like so many of the jokes in Mitchell's, I would imagine would make no sense, you know, in another language because it's all about how a character says like, and I don't know, you know, and maybe people don't say it. And I don't know in that way in, in, in other, in other languages. And if you translated it, it would be insane i don't know <laughs> yeah well plus the line readings on stuff are, are so important um yes, just totally. uh the dryness of olivia coleman saying i just want to flop around <laughs> i mean i don't know who you get to say that in french no yeah exactly it's i mean she is unreplaceable 
you know, yeah. um, uh, like all the actors are really, I mean, I, it's so I'm, I, uh, I would encourage everyone to watch the movie in English with subtitles if you don't speak English as well. Yeah. Now I want to um, go through all the dubs though and just hear what it sounds like and hear other interpretations and how people respond to it. Um, I, I, ha- I haven't had the interior strength to do that. <laughs> I would just get like, I would start like making phone calls and they'd be like, it's too late, Mike, calm down. <laughs> Obviously you're closer to it than I am. Yes. Uh, I can, I'll let you know, I'll report back. But um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Let me know how the um, Hungarian uh, uh, version goes. Yeah. But what Moodison does, I mean, even the music is to, to talk about language barriers, like even the music that inspires them is English. Yeah. So they're interpreting and digesting and regurgitating stuff in a, I mean, it is of course punk to simply make shit up, yeah. but all of their influences are Western or are further like American and English. And, and it is really interesting to watch him imagine what these young girls in 1982 who aren't him would, how yeah. they would interpret that. And, and that speaks to me to his range as a filmmaker, as a, as a storyteller, because I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, no. Well, and, and that's one. And well, and one of the things is about that movie in particular, I think it, it, his wife wrote a comic. Yes. It's based he, on that. He sort of interpreted. So it's like, the nice thing is he had a collaborator sort of on set who could sort of attest to the, you know, verisimilitude of every moment, which is great. Um, but but also just, I mean, that, that is one of the things that I love about the movie is like how specific it is. And it's like, the, you know, there's like this band that they love and there's this weird Swedish band that they talk about a lot that I have no idea about, you know, but I'm sure is really meaningful to people um, in Sweden. But they but then there's all these other bands that I know and and. And that was that was one thing I, I really tried to sort of, you know, um, steal from it. I mean, steal from him. But that's just the type of art that I love is 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 just how specific all of the characters are, and how specific all the relationships are. That that was one thing that I that I love in a movie like this is there's a real social reality to these characters mm-hmm. where the parent, you know, sort of like. Uh, 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 Clara, who is sort of the punkier girl's parents, like have an opinion about Bobo and they have a relationship with her and they're like, oh, this is our daughter's weird friend. And they're constantly fighting, but they're also kind of funny and they make fun of their own daughter and stuff. And like that kind of like complexity is definitely something that we were striving for. Um, uh, it is it is sort of hard when there's robots involved <laughs> to really get into the to get into the complexity of it, but um, but that was the that was the goal. And I also just love their their song. They're like they have a song called "Hot Sport," which is about how they hate sports, and they come up with it while they're jogging in a in a uh, in a uh, uh, like they have to jog for PE, and then they just start defiantly singing as they're jogging in PE, and it's like sort of like wonderful impotent middle school rage <laughs> I can really identify with. I have a lot of I have a lot of impotent rage myself, so um, it, it's very close to my heart. I get that. Um... <laughs> Weirdly, have you seen Licorice Pizza yet? I have seen Licorice Pizza. I love it. So I saw it last week, also loved it. And I'm just trying to come up with like, I was writing my top 10 list uh, Uh for the year and I'm trying to come up with a way of expressing it in, you know, three sentences. Sure. And the thing that resonated with me the most, the thing that sticks with me the most is its understanding of how kids, even, you know, even Alana, who's 25, Mm -hmm. 
feel like hostages or not feel like hostages, but how you are as a, before you know who you are, you are always a hostage to the grownups around you. And yes. over and over again, that happens in licorice pizza. And then it happens in this all the time too. It's such this, this it's the thing that bubbles under all these coming of age movies that no one yeah. ever expresses. But weirdly enough, Moodyson is all is all on it, and now I see it again nine years later in in uh, in Licorice Pizza, and I kind of wonder if he saw it too because it has some of the same energy. That's a that's a really wonderful point. That's a really wonderful way of putting it because you are, and and that's sort of like what um, sort of Moodyson's movie together is. There's no that that is like a movie about a hostage situation yeah, yeah. with you know where the children are held hostage in this like ideological bubble. And they're like, oh no, what, how are we going to live a life and get candy and stuff? Um, you know, and why, why are my parents' friends having sex? Um, uh, <laughs> but like, um, and, and, and that is really one thing that is really wonderful about licorice pizza and how, and those kids are so, it's interesting because those kids are like kind of, um, I don't know, like, like they don't have, there are almost no parents, but they keep getting stuck in these situations, yeah. especially um, Cooper Hoffman. It's like, he's sort of this like weird, you know, like hustler kid, but he keeps also getting caught in these situations where these people have power over him. And, um, and there are these like really intense, um, there are these really intense power dynamics that as an adult, you really take for granted one, one, <laughs> one thing that happened with my nephew, I don't know, you can cut this out if you want, but, um, but my nephew, um, was it was little and I would just sort of casually lie to him because I thought it was funny. Um, and I was like, at one point he, he he's like, you're not an adult, you're a kid. <laughs> and I was like, really offended. I was like, <laughs> how dare you? I'm an adult. You know, I was like 28 at the time or 30 or something. He's like, yeah. he, he's like, you don't have any kids. Only, only, only adults, adults, all adults have kids. And I was like, well, I do have kids. I have two twin boys named, Sanjo and Bonjo and I would appreciate uh if uh you know but I ditched them to hang out with you and he's like okay and he was sort of taking it in and then that night he my sister called me and he's like um uh uh Ben has a question for you and he's like sobbing and he's like why did you abandon Sancho and Bonjo my cousins and I'm like oh my god oh my god <laughs> like I guess I guess actions have consequences um but That's anyway, um... I want to keep that. That's too good to cut. <laughs> but yeah, but, no, um... I, I mean, I remember when when my brother had his daughters, I found myself in this bizarre position. And it's like, well, I should be honest with them. I should tell them yeah. the truth. I have to be that uncle. And then I realized, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, it's all I have the same, I have the same thing where it's like, sometimes I want to like get really real with them about like politics or like, you know, climate change. Yeah. And, they're, and you know, and then I'm like, mm, I really have to, I'll let, I'll leave their parents to do that. But, um, but, but, <laughs> but, I, but I do think that's, I do think that's a great point. And, and it is sort of, and, and, and I think that both Licorice Pizza and We Are the Best are about kids trying to escape those hostile situations and however they can, they like, form their own weird little communities to get away from parents and to get away from these power structures like school. And they're like, well, maybe in a band I'll have autonomy yeah. or maybe in a, you know, bizarre uh, 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 mattress selling <laughs> business I'll, or a pinball shop, I'll have autonomy and I won't have to deal with my parents. And, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, our movie, like the Mitchells, 
um, you know, is the Miserable Machines on I, on Netflix and Blu-ray coming soon. Um, uh, buy the Blu-ray. Don't don't watch it on Netflix. <laughs> it has a bunch of extra great features. Um, but anyway, um, the uh, you know, it 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 is sort of like about it is sort of a, a hostage escape story too. You know, oh, just, yeah. like, just like every just like every you know every kid going to college is just trying to get out of this prison they're in and sometimes they realize they're not in a prison <laughs> which is what i realized when i was growing up i was like wow the prison that i'm in uh has really has really nice amenities and uh good food <laughs> and uh it seems like the people running it really love me <laughs> and you know sort of katie makes the same realization but also on the on the same token you know um was trying to show from a parent's perspective that like just doing that stuff feels like more than enough. You're like, what more do you want from me, kids? I, I, I gave you everything, you know, but also, you know, as a kid, you just really want to be seen by them. You want them to, you know, sort of know who you are as an adult and not just sort of like think like, oh, you're just a little child. You're just a little extension of me or whatever. Yeah. And that is sort of like what the dad goes through in the movie. And, 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 and that was actually truthfully when, when the movie got a lot better um, because initially it was just about a jerky kid who wanted to escape her, her hostage situation and her uh, dad was kind of one dimensional and stuff. And, 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 and it, it was really interesting because we had Chris Miller and Phil Lord who were um, really wonderful and like, were my heroes. And they were like, do you want, to us to executive produce the movie and i was like yeah yeah that'd be that'd be fine <laughs> um and they were really great because we had all these we had like a whiteboard with all these like dreams and visions of what the movie should be and and we would talk about movies like we are the best and stuff and be like we want the movie to be as good as these and we want the characters to be as layered as these and then they would say like well if you want the characters to be as layered as those in a hal ashby movie or or you know, we're the best or any of these movies you love, you've got to make sure that you could see them from all sides, you know, and, and we would watch movies like I would, we would watch, we are the best and, and, and all these Hal Ashby movies and like really study them and see how, and see how, how you could get to that depth. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard, it is harder in, in this like kind of big budget animated studio because sort of like I think like Lucas Moodyson is just sort of doing exactly what he wants to do sure and yeah. seeing if people dig it and we we got to do a lot of what we wanted to do but it but it also at the end you know sort of no one would have made our movie if there were no robots <laughs> <laughs> so um so we were sort of trying to ne negotiate that and 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 trying to to bring this other level of you know kind of satire to it um to hopefully kind of like round it out so it felt like some sort of a combination of we are the best and like dr strange love or something that was the goal um you know uh we'll see you know i'm not we we had really high uh <laughs> ideals on the movie <laughs> but i think you need those right i mean there are there are movies you've seen them i've definitely seen mm -hmm. them where people just want to make a movie that makes money or want to yes. want to make a movie that hits the four quadrants and all of that garbage but it doesn't have a point of view. It doesn't have an identity yeah. and we all feel it. We all know it. There's, there's a moment in every movie where you either are on board. Yeah. Uh, I just saw West side story on Monday morning. And for me, it was mm -hmm. the first shot where it's just like, this is this movie. And you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Have, have you excited. seen it? Yet? No, I want to. First shot. It's just says 
this is what this movie is. Cool. As opposed to the previous film, as opposed to the stage version. And then it just keeps compounding it with new decisions and new choices. Uh, Mitchell's almost immediately too, just because we are in Katie's head from the jump. And and so much of it is about the perspective we're going to see and how that perspective is then shattered by other events, other discoveries to the point where, yeah, I can't imagine her dad being one dimensional because Netflix in one of their big awards packages that they sent out, they, you know, we got the art book, but uh-huh. we also got the little wooden moose, which almost yeah. made me cry when I saw it in the box. Oh, that's great. And that's not about Katie. That's about him. Yeah, that's- no. Well, and, and, and that, that really was, you know, and that, that was, it wasn't sort of like we had done, we had done that, made that move sort of like before Chris and Phil and stuff, but, but it was, it, 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 it was a, it, it really, it really is like this, um, this negotiation between these characters and, and sort of like, but, but speaking to what you're saying about, about sort of Katie and her perspective, I, that was something that was really important to us that like from the very first friend, because all of our favorite movies, like from the moment they start, it's like, boom, you're in, you're like, oh my God, there's, you know, this person has something to say, they're showing me something new. It's like cinematically exciting. Um, so we were like really um, obsessive about the opening. And, and I do think that seeing it from Katie's perspective and having her drawing on the screen and all that stuff and really helped because we sort of wanted to do it from just from a formal aspect um, because we thought it was cool, but it didn't actually make sense for the movie until we realized like, oh, this is Katie's perspective. And she's like editing the movie um, that, that all of a sudden you felt a lot closer to her as a character. And, and I think that, and that was something that we struggled with. And, and when, when we had her sort of affecting the film in that way, it really, um, it really like, uh, really activated things. And, and that is a thing that sort of like, no matter what movie I'm watching, whether it's like the darkest drama, you just want to feel like the filmmaker cares, yeah. you know, and the film, and they care about your time and they care about this story. And, and we, couldn't care more about our movie. And that's, and I also love that about sort of Lucas Moodyson's movies. It's like, no matter what he's going for, there's so much depth of emotion and so much like heart and effort and love put into like each performance. And you could tell those takes were chosen so carefully. And even though it was shot documentary style, like the filmmaking is really alive and active and it it's making the right decisions at the right time and zooming in at the right time. You know, and and it's not it's not something I would ever sort of. And also, funnily enough, speaking of ways that the that we are the best tried to affect the movie, we tried to shoot the whole movie documentary style. Um, Oh, my God. Thought, you know, because we're like, no one's ever done that in an animated movie before. But we just couldn't pull it off. Like it was it was just at a certain point they were like, well, do you want the movie? to work or do you want it to be shot like a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's a good point. I'd rather have it work, but the next one. So I, I really do think that whatever the next movie I make, I want to sort of make it look and feel more like we are the best. Um, oh, even wow. if it has sort of different, you know, qualities to it. Cause I just think that mode of filmmaking is so engaging and it would be really interesting to see done in animation because it hasn't been it's been like in some shorts and stuff and like yeah here and there but i mean you you come close with the surveillance footage i mean there is a use of like Mm -hmm. a documentary perspective um but it's again it drives a personal sadness and tragedy moment so it's it's way more important than just oh here's some found footage 
Yeah, totally. And truthfully, I am really excited and proud of the Blu-ray because it is, it is, this was a movie with so much love put into it and it's got love to spare. You know, it's got all of these scenes that we love. There's a scene where the, where the family kidnaps the president. There's a scene where uh, that's a, a sitcom called Everybody Loves Killbot that we all thought was funny. There's this bizarre Australian robot character that was in a bunch of scenes that I really miss. And he'd be like, good day, I'm Australian. And then we're like, this isn't you, Zebulon. And he's like wearing a, you know, a cockeyed hat and stuff. And, and, and there's both all these deleted scenes, but then there's a whole version of the movie you could watch where those deleted scenes are sort of like, and more, there's like literally like 80 minutes of deleted footage that's in the movie. And I, 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 I made really sure that all of those scenes that are in the movie are ones that would be valuable and aren't just like, well, I know why they cut that out. Jesus, you know, like they're all ones that I have a lot of affection for, you know, and, and the team has a lot of affection for. Um, And there's like a, there's a really good making of, there's an audio commentary with like 10 of the people that made the movie. There's, um, there's a brand new short that's like made by Katie in quotation marks. And it was, it was actually made with puppets by, um, by this team of guys, Matt Chapman and Mike Chapman, who uh, created Strong Bad. They're like these internet geniuses. Oh yeah. And also it's, it's, it's directed by Caitlin Van Arsdale, this wonderful storyboard artist and our movie turned director. Um, so it's, it, and I'm, I'm missing like a hundred things, you know, like the, there's, there's, they literally told us, they were like, you cannot put another megabyte of material <laughs> on this disc. Like it's going to explode. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And if you, uh, like I said, if you like the movie, you will, you'll love the uh, home video release. Oh man, that's all I want. <laughs> also, have you seen We Are Lady Parts? No. Okay, it's on Peacock. It. it is it is the London Muslim version of We Are the Best. It's present day. Uh, it was released last year. It's a, a filmmaker named Nita Manzoor, and uh-huh. you will love it. It's a blast. I'm really excited about it. My thanks to Mike Rianda, whose magnificent family comedy, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, is streaming on Netflix, but that Blu-ray special edition from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, that's how he'd like you to see it. And if you're not familiar with Gravity Falls, that's on Disney Plus now, and it's amazing. Thanks also to Tamar Gibbert. She knows what she did. You can find Mike on Twitter at Michael Rianda, all one word, and you can find We Are the Best from Magnolia Helm Entertainment in the States and from VSC in Canada. It's also available to rent and buy on Apple TV, and in the US, it's streaming on Amazon Prime. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I host the Now What podcast every Friday. You're going to want to catch this week's episode. It's our year in film special. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast. S-E-M-Cast, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your booster when you can. I'll see you next time.